Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Love Doctor podcast, research-informed advice that can lubricate any conversation about sex. My name is Dr. Leah Tidey, and I'm so glad to have you here. Today on the show, I'm talking about what it's like to come out as queer on YouTube. Yep, I already have received some texts from my family, and what it means for me to be queer and bisexual. I also share my interview with fertility awareness educator and host of the Fertility Awareness Project podcast, Natalie Daudet. Nat is an inclusive fam expert who shares how fertility awareness method works and guides people to decide if it's the right choice for them. But first, today in sex. So growing up, I didn't actually have a lot of queer role models in my life. And I really didn't realize this until I shared the latest YouTube video on Levi and Leah uh, called The Six Things I Wish I Knew in My 20s. Levi challenged me to think about this last decade of my life as I turned 30 and really to think about what are those main things that I'm taking away with me as I enter into, you know, this new decade, this new time. Even though he said to come up with five, I, I added one at the end. And number six was, I am queer. If you had asked me even two, three years ago, if I would have used that word to describe myself, I probably would have said no. I didn't feel like I belonged in that space. I didn't feel like I could own the word queer because of being bisexual, because of being in a heterosexual passing relationship. I kind of felt like an imposter. But if you did watch the YouTube video, you'll know that one of the first things I talk about is I am not an imposter. I think this is something that I have dealt with as a young woman, as an academic, but also as someone who's bisexual, where I it's hard to feel like you exist in either world. And we know that the worlds exist not in this binary of gay or straight, but it doesn't help when society keeps pushing you to like pick a side, you know, stay in your lane. One of the things that was really affirming to me when I shared this video was some of the comments from the amazing people. Somebody said, number six hits home hard. In my 20s and learning this now, as a bisexual woman in a hetero-passing relationship, it's been a journey to learn to not erase myself and a whole part of my identity. And I think that's been a part of it. Understanding myself as bisexual, right? That's something that I've talked about here on this podcast. I've talked about on the YouTube channel and a lot of my work where that's an identity that I have claimed since the age of 12, knowing that I can have attraction to multiple different people, multiple different genders. But when I start thinking about what it means to be queer, I realize that it's much more aligned with how I hold myself in the world and really my political alignment as well. I see my queerness as a way to question the norms that have been imposed on us, to question the ways in which we understand relationships, and to think about what can I do to actively work against these powers that try and tell us to behave in certain ways, that the only way to be normal, that the only way to be loved, the only way to express that love is in these really uh, strict norms. And that's just not the case. And the more that I claim that identity, uh, the more that I feel myself, I feel like coming into my own. 
but it also means that I have a ton of privilege as a straight passing person. And so I can't just claim that I'm queer and then do nothing to help support queer folks in our journey for equity and our journey for representation in making sure that we're not continually propping up this heteronormative society that keeps saying what our relationship should look like. It has been a bit hard uh, when I was thinking about this. Um, really, I have uh, two queer aunties who are like adjacent related to me. And those are the only queer people who I like had in my family or really in my life for so many years. And they didn't even live in the same town as me. They lived literally across the country. So even realizing that when I made that public statement that I'm queer, no one else in my immediate family, in like aunts, uncles, cousins, my siblings, like any of them, none of them identify as queer. And so my hope is that for my nephews, for my niece, for the other young people in my life, it can be a way to be like, hey, I didn't really have this person growing up, but at least you know, even if we don't have a conversation about it, at least you know that this identity is valid. But I received a very interesting text from my auntie, and I love her so dearly. She is such a kind woman and is on a constant learning journey. She also looks after my 94-year-old grandpa, who I adore. We have a really close relationship. We traveled through Malta together when I was 18. He was in his early 80s to, to revisit the places that he visited when he was stationed there at the end of the Second World War. Him and I are very close, and he's very dear to me. However, this was the text that I got from my aunt. We love you, Leah. We haven't shared your reveal with Grandpa yet. I think it might be a good idea to leave that information quiet from Grandpa, but it is your choice of what to do. I think it might be too confusing. I'm not sure he needs to know, because it really it doesn't change the way we love you, and I'm not sure that he could handle it. You know, and in some ways, I... I really agree. I mean, my 94-year-old grandpa, he loves me. He loves my husband, Levi, and he, you know, does he really know that I'm a sexual health educator? I don't think so. And I wonder what would be gained by me telling him that I'm queer. Besides going down a whole other conversation of what does that mean and why does that matter? I don't really feel like telling him that I'm non-monogamous at the same time. That feels like a whole other kettle of fish. And it made me wonder about, you know, is there a point where, for your relationship, do you not tell someone? And I'm not advocating for people to stay in the closet. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I'm saying for me, in this situation, where I don't know how much time I have left with my grandfather, and he adores me. We have wonderful conversations together. He opens up to me in ways that I don't think a lot of other people get to have those conversations with him. Uh, and he also adores Levi. He'll have a wonderful relationship with him. And I just feel like I don't want to compromise that, particularly in maybe the short amount of time we have left together. So does my grandpa know that I'm queer? No, but my auntie does. Uh, and she lives in the same house as him. So we'll see how long that lasts. All to say, I will keep you updated. The last thing that I'll say is how I'm understanding queer is not replacing my identity as bisexual. It's like a yes and. Yes, I am bisexual and I am queer. And I'm really enjoying having these words blend and mix together to understand who I am. 
because our identities are so much more than just a collection of words. They are lived experiences. They are how we evolve and grow over time. And if it stayed stagnant throughout our lives, well, what's the joy in that? If there was no character arc in a movie or a book that you were reading, like, why are you keep reading this book or watching this movie? So I'm growing. I'm changing. And I hope you are too. I'm really excited to share a little bit of that journey with you. If you want to see the video, it's it's quite charming. I drink tea and Levi and I kind of muse about life. So if you haven't seen it, please feel free to check it out. It's linked in the episode description. And now I'm really excited to share my interview with fertility awareness educator, Nat. She was such a wonderful person to interview. And I'm very honest, I am not an expert on fertility awareness method or FAM. And she absolutely is. What I really appreciate and what we get into in our conversation is how she really strives to have gender-inclusive language. I think quite often when we talk about fertility awareness method, it's thought of to only be for women. It's a very gendered space. We need to talk more about our bodies and understanding how they work and how if we can feel empowered in knowing how our bodies work and how we can track our cycles, how we can use different apps or different methods to keep track of our uh, contraception or how can we use it to conceive. These are all things that are beautiful, wonderful experiences, and they shouldn't be limited by these really binary ideas of gender. So thank you so much, Nat, and I cannot wait for you to listen to this interview. Hi, Nat. How uh, how are you doing today in lovely Winnipeg? <laughs> I'm doing really well. We actually just like had our like 17th snowstorm of the year and it's February and I'm kind of like over winter a little bit (laughs) but I had like a really cozy snow day and I made some soup this afternoon so like really leaning into the season but also just like over being like completely buried in snow. (laughs) I feel you I feel you a lot of my family uh, lives in Winnipeg like both me and my partner's family and like I feel bad I'm like look the flowers are coming up here (laughs) like so Vancouver Island. I can't even can't even imagine flowers going up right now we're so far from that still. (laughs) Yeah I feel you I feel you. So I'm really excited to have you here because I've had a lot of my uh, listeners have questions about fertility awareness method and folks who are listening, as you know, I'm very open about the fact that that is not my area of expertise, but I am on a journey right now, friends. So Nat, I've brought you on as as our fam expert and I kind of want to know first, like how did you get started like becoming an educator and really like doing your research and digging into fertility awareness method? I'm coming up to six years in the middle of February of using fertility awareness as my main form of birth control. About six years ago, I was looking for an alternative to hormonal birth control. I wanted to be responsible and avoid pregnancy, but I just really didn't feel satisfied with a lot of the, I guess, mainstream options. Uh, I was kind of researching and looking into a whole bunch of different things. I was looking into the diaphragm. I was looking into um, just using condoms. I was looking into the copper IUD and nothing really fit. And I kind of went to my doctor with some questions and kind of talking about how to get my hands on a diaphragm in Canada. And she was kind of like, okay, we can totally do that. Might be kind of hard to find, but 
you know, in the meantime, have you heard of natural family planning or the fertility awareness method? And I had kind of heard of it, like, really, I had one family member who had learned fertility awareness, and she talked about it a little bit, but I wasn't really sure what it was all about. So I took a class in person and learned how to chart my own cycles and was completely blown away uh, that there was something that happened between one period and the next and that I could pay attention to it and track it and that I could really understand when I was fertile and when I wasn't and use that to avoid pregnancy. So I went into learning fertility awareness with basically zero knowledge about my cycle, about what fam is, and I was just really blown away. So after that class, I really went online and found as much information as I possibly could um, and listened to podcasts and found Instagram accounts, read books, and just really immersed myself in the world of fertility awareness. And as I started to learn more about fertility awareness, I started to learn that there were a whole bunch of different methods of fertility awareness. There's a whole group of people that have been using fertility awareness uh, for a really long time and that it was just something that I had never come across or like never happened upon and yet it was it just felt so right. Um, So I was charting my cycles for birth control for a couple of years and then there's a whole bunch of different training programs that you can take to certify as a fertility awareness educator because learning fertility awareness is a really unique experience outside of health coaching, outside of education. It's like this really close relationship that you have with a fertility awareness educator guiding you through understanding what your body is telling you and how to apply certain rules so that you can either avoid pregnancy or you know, conceive with ease or track your health. So I took a program to learn to teach fertility awareness and I started to find that um, I actually wanted to teach in Winnipeg. So I wanted to like have workshops in my living room and connect with people in Winnipeg, but I found that I was actually getting a lot more interested people uh, worldwide And I began teaching online, and that's what I'm still doing. Um, So my job is teaching people to chart their menstrual cycles for birth control, and I work with people all over the world. Um, And I continue to be really passionate about talking about alternatives to hormonal birth control uh, and really having this informed consent around the medications that we take and, you know, the options that we feel like we have when it comes to being responsible and also avoiding pregnancy. Yeah. I I hadn't really thought about before about how it would be such an intimate experience, you know, educating someone and coaching someone through that process, right? Because from my own lens as a sexual health educator, you know, depending on how many different layers of people I have to go through, you know, like, is the pack going to be mad because I said certain things or whatever? There's always that kind of red tape. Um, but I feel like I'm always presenting lots of options. And then that's kind of the end of that conversation. I'm not going back and forth with that person to be like, hey, this is how you're tracking. And you get to know very intimately, like what's going on with your body every single day. So I want to talk about like 
hormonal um, contraception and kind of your perspective on that as well. But maybe tell me a bit more about what is that like? Like if people were to work with um, a fertility awareness educator, tell me about that kind of intimate relationship that um, expands from that. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's, um, yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like, so my background is also in social work and I also kind of have this sense of responsibility as a fertility awareness educator in like the perspective profession of fertility awareness education because it does have this kind of weight because you're working with someone who potentially wants to avoid pregnancy and you really are kind of liable for the outcome of the person that you're working with and it's a really it's like a thing that I take really seriously and the process of working with a fertility awareness educator is really about having this trusting relationship because like you said you're really exposing everything on your chart which is every you know every time you have sex every observable biomarker fertility that you're having each and every day anything else that you're tracking in your chart that is reflected in your cycle your fertility awareness educator is going to see that and there really is this element of trust between Um, a client and a fertility awareness educator. And the other really important piece of working with a FAM educator is there is the education part of it where you are talking your client through how to use the method properly, how to chart, what to look for, what to track. And that's one side of it. But then you're also coming back to your FAM educator with your chart and you're going through and clarifying what you have on your chart, what you're seeing every day, And you're going back to your educator and you're simplifying and looking at your chart and adjusting what you've marked in your chart and making sure that you've understood what you've interpreted properly so that you can successfully use the method. So it really is about education, but it's also about this really close coaching. And it's also like a window into um, a really personal part of your life. And that can be, I think that's like my most favorite part about being a fertility awareness educator is that I'm able to walk alongside people in an array of different life scenarios and reproductive health scenarios from people who are overjoyed to getting pregnant to people who are so empowered by their bodies because they're able to avoid pregnancy naturally Um, to people who are able to connect to the phases of their cycle and optimize their mental health and take care of um, themselves that way that is really unique to um, really unique to fertility awareness education yeah yeah I think that uh, like you're saying that intimacy between the two of them where quite often it can feel like a very lonely journey right? If you start your own like contraception journey, whatever that may be for you, it's like, well, trial or error and your healthcare provider can tell you some things. A sex educator can tell you some things, but ultimately it's up to you and what works for your body. And it's something that I keep finding frustrating because people who listen to the podcast, I know I'm like, oh, well, 
you know, the hormonal IUD was excellent for me. And it's like, you know, like 99.8% effective at preventing pregnancy. Isn't that wonderful? And it's very safe and effective. However, you've heard lots of stories of people where that has not worked for them, where their bodies have rejected it or for different reasons it has not been compatible. And so I always feel a bit uh, kind of torn or like disempowered where I'm like, this was really great for me. And all of that means is that that was great for me. That's all I can tell you. Um, but if you're on that, like you said, to walk alongside someone on that journey, what a rare opportunity that can often just be like a very lonely path. Like I, I, I love that idea um, of doing that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people really feel that they're the only person in their friend group or they're the only person in their family who uses fertility awareness and often um, they find it hard to talk to their community about fertility awareness and what they're learning and their experience charting their cycles that you're right having somebody to experience that with you is really really um helpful to kind of stick with the method and also feel validated and then i think a lot of people also find online communities to be really validating too like there's a whole handful of fertility awareness facebook groups and different fertility awareness courses will have online communities where you can actually connect with other people around the world who also use FAM. And I think that is really key and helpful for a lot of people. Because if you're the only one who's using FAM, you start to feel like doubt yourself. You start to kind of question or you just don't have anybody to kind of share that joy with of like really being happy and empowered with your method. So I want to ask now, because I'm, I'm kind of on like my own journey right now of having my IUD removed in November and then trying to track my period and figure out like what is happening in between. And it's been really interesting. Um, and I've only had three periods since then, but they've been like very regular. I'm like, oh, it's been 25 days. And I'm like, haha, it's going to happen now. And I can just feel that in my body and to have that connection with my body again after many years of kind of not feeling that uh, has been really quite interesting for me and, and quite empowering. But I wonder, um, you know, right now I'm like patting myself on the back, like, aha, well done, Leah, you know, when your period is clearly there's lots of other things happening during that 25 day cycle. But let's say if we are, you know, particularly concerned with with not getting pregnant, like where would you start someone on that journey? Like, you know, where your period is? Okay, let's talk about what's happening in between. Yeah, I think the first step, like you said, Leah, is to start tracking your cycle, start finding out what day of your cycle you're on. So if you are naturally cycling, you're not on hormonal birth control, you're not um, postpartum, you're not, what would be, yeah, you're not in menopause, then you'll be anywhere in your cycle at any given day. So if you think back, you can find day one of your cycle is the first day of full blood flow. So if you think back to your most recent period, the first day of your period is day one of your cycle. And then you can count forward from there. Finding out what day your cycle on is the first step. Um, and you can track your cycle with either an app or a paper chart. Um, the app that I recommend is the Read Your Body app. And you can also track your cycle on a paper chart, depending on how in-depth you want to get into tracking your cycle. And then from there, 
it really comes down to the main event of the cycle, which is ovulation. So a lot of people are really aware of their period. It's hard to ignore when you're bleeding, but between one bleed and the next, there is a whole bunch of hormonal activity that is happening that is centered around ovulation. And ovulation is a one-time event that happens most cycles. And you probably don't know what's happening unless you're tracking it. And with fertility awareness, we're tracking ovulation usually with cervical mucus and basal body temperature. So if you're wanting to know when you're ovulate, when you ovulate, this can tell you when you're fertile and when you're not. And if you're trying to conceive, you can optimize sex on certain days to get pregnant. And if you are trying to avoid, you will avoid unprotected sex on the days that you're fertile. Um, And basically, cervical mucus will respond to the levels of hormones that are present in in our body. And so as ovulation approaches, our cervical mucus will change and it will tell us that we are potentially fertile. And then once the egg is released it only lives for 12 to 24 hours. And so once the egg is dead and gone, um, you will see a rise in your basal body temperature. And for the remainder of the cycle, you'll be infertile um, because there's no egg to fertilize. So if you are wanting to track your cycle um, and you're wanting to avoid pregnancy, it's super important that you follow a method. So I hear a lot of people kind of dabbling in cycle tracking. They're maybe using an app um, that tells them when they're ovulating, or they're maybe loosely tracking and kind of estimating when they're ovulating. If you're really not wanting to get pregnant, I would recommend actually learning a method of fertility awareness as opposed to loosely tracking in an app because often the apps can be inaccurate. Um, And do you want me to talk about kind of the ways to learn a method of fertility awareness? Yeah, I guess what I'm thinking about as well is like tracking um, like mucus as well, like cervical mucus would be like great to know. I also think there's like I think there's so many people who are like, oh, like I've received so many questions from people of multiple different ages being like, I'll take off my underwear and then I'll see something in my underwear. And there's like a lot of shame around that and like not understanding what that means. Maybe a bit more around, around that. And how can we track it as something of being like, this is something that is happening in my body as part of that cycle and kind of decoding that and understanding what that means can be really empowering. Definitely. So yeah, cervical mucus is one of those things that I start talking about and people are like, that's so gross. Like, Nat, why are you talking about cervical mucus? But it really is, once you start learning about it, it really is this essential part of understanding your cycle. And it really is just so cool. I promise you it's not gross. Um, Basically, our cervix has these folds or crypts that produce different types of uh, different types of mucus depending on where we are in our cycle and when we're tracking cervical mucus it looks different depending on the method but basically you're paying attention to cervical mucus when you're going to the bathroom 
when you're wiping, um, you can look and see what's on your underwear. Certain methods will also include um, paying attention to sensation at the vulva when you're going about your day. And basically you're integrating it into the activities you're already doing. You're not really adding anything extra as a, instead you're just paying attention a little bit more closely when you go to the bathroom as to what you're seeing on the toilet paper or on your underwear. Um, and in a general sense, cervical mucus keeps sperm alive. Um, it keeps it live along long enough to fertilize a potential egg. And without cervical mucus, um, the vagina is inhospitable to sperm. So we really do need cervical mucus in order to conceive. And it also gives us a real-time daily indicator of our fertility. So it tells us it tells us if ovulation is approaching. It can tell us if ovulation's already happened. And there are different categories of mucus that you can track depending on what method of fertility awareness you're using. Um, but it really is super simple to track cervical mucus. Um, you probably have noticed discharge or mucus in the past in your underwear while you while you were wiping, um, but you can connect it to where you are in your cycle and it can kind of tell you um, in terms of ovulation where you are in your cycle. That's excellent. And I, I think I just want to make that connection there too, where there can be so many experiences around like a genital shame and we're just like, oh my gosh, like I don't even want to know what's going on like below the belt. And it just seems so... Uh, so unfortunate that it's the kind of like the rhetoric and the teaching that we have around bodies, particularly folks with, with vulvas and uteruses, that it's like, you know, because we can't see it externally, like on our bodies, what's going on, um, unlike like folks with penises, it's like, nope, we haven't forbid, we know what's going on. So that's one thing that I find, um, even as I'm <laughs> trying to track and figure out and not rely too much on my app to be like, aha, it's been 14 days. I'm like, that means nothing. I have to figure out what, what that means for me. Um, I think for me, it's just been kind of unlearning that own like genital shame that that has really taught, especially in like a really like patriarchal society where we're not meant to like look at our bodies and understand how they work. So that's something that I just find really empowering about the work that you do. And as it's just like, hey, I'm going to talk to you about cervical mucus and it's not gross. It's, it's actually really freaking cool. Like, let's figure out how that works. Um, I kind of want to like switch gears just a little bit because I, when I was trying to find someone to talk to about fertility awareness method, I had a bit of a tough time because some folks, I had you in my mind right away because you will see some like influencers and folks who talk about fertility awareness method. And there's a real kind of shame focus on like hormonal methods of contraception. And instead I'm finding in your content, it's a real like empowerment around is fertility awareness right for you and finding out whether or not that's the case. And it's not relying on like demonizing hormonal contraception. Like, can you talk to me a bit about maybe that, that crunch sometimes you feel like, is that something that, that comes up in like kind of like fam communities around like being anti hormonal contraception? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it can be really easy as someone who shares content about fertility awareness to demonize hormonal contraception and 
I think part of it is that so many people have had negative experiences on different types of hormonal contraception. And I think there's definitely that reality that often people who are on birth control who have a negative experience will be they'll go to their doctor and they'll kind of be dismissed and it won't often be thought of as like the source of um any problems it will kind of just be like shuffling them to a different type of hormonal contraception so i think there is this side where it can be really easy because there are so many people who've had negative experiences to really demonize um hormonal birth control but what it does is it really does shame people who are on hormonal birth control who've made that choice for themselves and i really don't think that it can be helpful all the time to kind of take that stance and when i talk about hormonal birth control and when i talk about fertility awareness i really come at it from this belief that i acknowledge fertility awareness isn't for everybody like I am not on a mission to convert everybody to fertility awareness. I actually really don't want that. (laughs) And I think understanding that fertility awareness is not for everybody is something that you come to after being so excited about fam and feeling like, you know, this is the, this is going to be right for everybody. You start to slowly realize eventually with time that actually it's not for everybody. And also hormonal birth control isn't for everybody either. Um, And I think that's a really important distinction to make because I wouldn't want anybody using fertility awareness just because somebody told them to. I think that would be potentially really harmful. Um, And I'm really more concerned with people feeling like they have the option to use fertility awareness and they're given all the information in a really factual and accurate way about what fertility awareness is, how it works, how effective it is, and who it's best for. Because while fertility awareness is really incredible for some people, for others it it requires a daily um, attention that they just don't want to have or don't have. And it requires um, a willingness to really apply yourself to learn for the first few cycles, either self-taught or with an instructor. And some people just, that's just not what they want to do. Um, and so I really do believe that hormonal contraception has its place. And I know for some people, that is the most freeing option for them. And for others, they, you know, they wish that they would have gotten more accurate information about not only hormonal contraception, but also fertility awareness. Because when you go to your medical provider, um, often, like I had a really unique experience where my doctor told me about fertility awareness, but often that's not the case. Um, so I just wish that more people would kind of have access to this information when they were being counseled on, um, their contraceptive options that they could be referred to a fertility awareness educator. Um, because yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm all about informed consent for contraceptive methods. And I also don't think that fertility awareness is for everybody. Yeah. 
Oh, I so, I really appreciate uh, that. And I just think that, I think that's maybe the most important thing. Like regardless if you are a sex educator who focuses on like, you only talk about contraception, people of all different ages. Are you a fertility awareness educator? How do we first start with talking about body autonomy and informed consent? And really those are the most important concepts underpinning these choices, right? Because they aren't really choices if you don't understand how they work, don't understand what side effects might happen to your body. Um, And so it's a fine line, right? With the the medicalization of certain types of hormonal types of contraception, right? And pushing, there's a reason why the pill is the most common form of medication taken by humans on the planet. It is very effective, but also it's connected to big pharma. So how do we hold both things and know that they are both true, but then find what works for us kind of within that, within that journey. Uh, The other thing I want to say as well, and what I so appreciate, even the conversation we've had so far is your use of just like, gender neutral terms like at no point where you're like women using fertility awareness method and I, I knew that going into our conversation that wouldn't be it but I just um I, I really applaud that because I think so often when we think about oh well it's natural to be in touch with your cycle there's a kind of a conflation of like your cycle or your fertility with your womanhood and your femininity and we know that it can be much more complex than that when we start talking about gender and these things do you I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that in terms of your own process as an educator and kind of that gender inclusivity part of it mm-hmm. yeah I mean I'm definitely not an expert in talking about fertility awareness when it comes to um, working with folks like across the gender spectrum, but I've come to realize that I can really be specific about who fertility awareness is for, and I can acknowledge that fertility awareness and learning about your cycle um, is for anybody, and you don't have to identify as a woman to learn about your body and about fertility awareness. Um, And there is definitely this tension in the fertility awareness community um, around this because a lot of people feel like fertility awareness belongs to women only. Um, but I think the narrative is definitely changing. Um, I learned a lot from Ashley Hartman Annis, who is a fertility awareness educator and talks a lot about um, language and being really inclusive uh, with your language when talking about fertility awareness and working with clients um, because I found for my own like journey through all of this that if I'm not being inclusive with my language, I am really carving out a, a certain space of, of certain group of people who are safe to work with me. Um, and I'm definitely not perfect. It's definitely like an ongoing thing, um, and still learning a lot, but it's definitely something that I'm, I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, that attention to be like, this is an ongoing learning process, how to do that. And also honoring that, especially when it comes to, um, 
talking about topics that are that are so gendered a lot of the time, especially in how they're touted in social media, but also in like in our healthcare models, they're very gendered as well. If we're talking about fertility, there's that conflation of, you know, fertility and like women and what that looks like. So I just really um, appreciate that that idea that we need to expand our language and understanding of that and not to say that there um, can't be women who feel really empowered by using fertility awareness method and feel very in touch with their femininity and have those things connected to each other, but also holding space in that community for knowing that those identities are not mutually exclusive. Like there are lots of other ways to know about our cycles, to track our cycles and to feel empowered by that knowledge, you know, regardless of what our gender identity is. So it's something that I just, I'm really appreciate in what you do. Um, Cause I try as much as possible for this to be a really inclusive space on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that you do that as well. Just to kind of like round out our, our conversation today, um, you know, advice for me. Okay. If I have my fam toolkit, I'm going to put it in my little tool belt of things that I need as I get going. I have the read your body app. That's great. I have a menstrual cup. Great. Whatever menstrual products we decide to use. I'm killing it. Okay. What are like two or three things that I would need to kind of start my own journey with fam? So yeah, I love the app Read Your Body and it's kind of the only, right now it's the only app that I recommend, the only app that I get my clients to use because it's really customizable and it doesn't do any of the charting for you. Um, so in that way, it's really freeing. And if you're wanting to track ovulation, so say you're wanting to avoid pregnancy and you're wanting to use a symptothermal method of fertility awareness, so that's using cervical mucus and basal body temperature, you'll need to get your hands on a basal body thermometer. And it's different than a fever thermometer. So basal body thermometer goes to two decimal places. Uh, you can usually find them on Amazon. Some drugstores will have them, although I haven't looked recently, so I'm not sure. Um, but taking your temperature at the same time each morning before you get out of bed after at least, usually at least three hours of sleep um, will help you get an accurate reading. And um, once you kind of get into the habit of that, you'll need a way to interpret what the temperatures are telling you. So that's where the method of fertility awareness comes in. And the method of fertility awareness is going to tell you how to interpret your temperatures, how to know when you've ovulated based on temperature. Uh, It will also tell you how to categorize your cervical mucus observation. So every day of your cycle, at the end of the day, you're going to write in your chart what you saw and sometimes what you felt in terms of your cervical mucus that day. And a method is going to tell you how to categorize it and how to interpret it. The third thing a method will do is it will give you the rules for avoiding pregnancy. So every method will have specific rules um, to determine your fertile window, to determine when you are fertile, when conception is possible. And it's going to be different based on what method you use. Um, A book that a lot of people uh, come across with fertility awareness is taking charge of your fertility. So that's a good starting point for a lot of people. Um, there's also a, another manual, uh, plan, natural and safe. You can get it from reply OBGYN online. Um, and that's a good self-teaching manual. 
Um, and so you're going to be tracking all that in your app and you'll start to get a picture of uh, your fertile window. That's when conception is possible. You start to get a sense for when you're ovulating. Um, and if you are really strictly trying to avoid, um, you'll want to potentially work with a fertility awareness educator. I have a link to a directory of fertility awareness educators, which I can um, send to you, Leah, if that's helpful. But um, that is kind of, yeah. So I would say if you have a chart, but you're not yet tracking temperature, that would probably be like the next step. There's also a wearable thermometer if you're not into waking up at the same time each day. Um, the only wearable thermometer that I recommend for fertility awareness is called TempDrop. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just like a regular basal body thermometer will do the trick. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much. And all of the resources that you have just listed, I will have linked down in the episode description, um, as well as your website, which was so helpful for me, even being like, what questions am I going to ask Nat? I feel like such a noob right now. What will I say? Um, so yeah, I will link that um, as well as your social media, because it's just been so um, interesting and engaging uh, to learn about it in a way that I don't know. I feel like you offer such a gentle and accessible way into it that feels so judgment-free. And I just really value the, the work that you're doing. I'm glad that it comes across that way. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Leah. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Love Doctor podcast. On the next episode, I'm talking to my dear friend, Chris Angel Murphy, all about dating and generally how to not be an asshole over Tinder and other dating apps. If you have a question, send me a voice memo to thelovedoctorpodcast at gmail.com, or you can message me directly on Instagram at dr.leatidy. You can also check me out on Instagram or Twitter. And if you like what you're hearing, hey, leave a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what you thought of this episode. I really love hearing your feedback, and that is how we're going to get the word out there to more people. So if you like it, please share it. Until then, folks, stay healthy, stay safe, stay consensual.